0: Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode. Well, 2020 has been an
1: interesting year to say the least, but at least it was an election year to calm things down a bit. In this episode, the whole gang is back on the podcast to discuss the 2020 presidential election, Along with that, we discuss the political divide, Christianity and politics, and much, much more. We do our best to have an open dialogue about all the crazy things going on, and provide a path through all of the chaos. This episode was live-streamed on Facebook, which we do like to do on relevant episodes to get listener engagement, so follow us on Facebook to get alerted when we are live-streaming. With all that in mind, let's listen to the discussion this week.
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. Have we got a show for you. I have never show prepped this hard in my entire life, which is not really saying much. So Um, welcome in, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to comment um, as we go along here. So we are on about a 20-second delay, so we can only see things 20 seconds into the past, which is our future is your past. I think that's how it works. So anyway that's not it
2: (laughs) but i think they get it we don't we don't need to spend more time explaining it (laughs) on second thought keep going (laughs) this is cold (laughs) something like
0: that jordan and rob it's good to see you guys okay listen we have a lot to get to tonight i would like to hop in because man what a week it's been and we need need to talk about the election we got to talk about uh, just so much so let's start off by discussing and recapping this election process and what's going on um obviously we had a presidential election a few days ago we did and we did yeah i'm not sure <laughs> well one of our uh our prophets we're going to show later on was not aware of an election at all because he was in the future in his words we'll get to that but um yeah it's been oh. a crazy time because it seems like what has happened is that Essentially, you had President Trump and the Republicans for maybe seven or eight months now advocating that you should vote in person and ignore mail-in ballots because they are susceptible to fraud. And Democrats said, no, that's not true. Our supporters should stay home and be extra cautious and vote via mail. And so what happened was, obviously, as we've seen, the election started out. Trump started off strong. But as mail-in ballots were counted, Biden had a huge... Um, kind of push, and it looks like most likely, I'm going to say 99.9% chance that Joe Biden will be the president in a few short months. However, that has not stopped people from demanding that there is massive widespread fraud happening, which I got to say, guys, it kind of blows me away because here's why this stuff blows me away. I am no expert. We all know this but a on anything s- on anything <laughs> but a, a maybe a 20-minute google search of how our election process works and historically how many you know um proven cases of voter fraud in our country um have, have how many there have been you'll see that it's pretty infrequent that fraud happens now that is not to say that fraud does not happen and that every election does not have people who do bad things in fact i'm sure we're going to find instances of voter fraud in this election like all the other ones the key the key takeaway here though is that the likelihood of them finding tens of thousands of fraudulent ballots that were put in by the democrats is slim to none because that's never ever happened before in fact the heritage foundation which is a right wing conservative think-, think tank has on their website all the uh, the cases of fraud that 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 they're most aware of. And they say it's not a comprehensive list, but in the past three decades or so is how far back they go. They found 1,300 cases of proven, um, you know, found guilty in a court of law um, examples of voter fraud. And that includes all elections, state, local, local, and Is that
2: presidential, like thirteen hundred ballots or people or just like situations.
0: Uh, I would say situations. I think the most I and I look. I didn't read all of them, but the most I saw was like someone was convicted of forging sixty-seven ballots. Ballots. You know, it's it's very small amounts of ballots. These are not but huge get,
2: things we're seeing. I get all of my facts from my own Facebook feed.
0: <laughs> and there are hundreds. Of thousands. I don't trust.
2: I don't trust the Googles. I <laughs> clearly run by Democrats
0: clearly and that's yeah. the problem that's the problem that i have is that something that that i find amazing is that people are really soaking this up like oh no guys just wait just just hunker down because you're gonna it's gonna come out the truth will come out that these are so many fraudulent votes that somehow democrats organized themselves by the thousands but and they infiltrated the voting process and didn't turn- the same
2: thing happen when trump won though what four years ago I well, feel like it was very similar. I mean, different slightly, but it was still yeah. similar. Like, oh, yeah, Russia the, was involved.
0: <laughs> yes, that was the big thing was there was Russian meddling. And by the way, to be very clear, Hillary Clinton came out a couple of days ago and claimed that that the election was stolen from her, which is ridiculous. OK, <laughs> and obviously we can see that there is a process for that stuff and the government does investigate. And it turns out that even if there was some meddling, it wasn't enough to swing an election. And that's the key takeaway here is that I fully believe and support the legal process of the courts. And I believe Trump and his administration has a right, a complete right to challenge things and to make sure that there are Republicans and Democrats represented counting ballots. I'm all about that. And if there are fraudulent ballots, we need to know. And that includes if there is tens of thousands of ballots that are all fraudulent. We should know that. But the chances of that being realistic are, are very slim. Trump has lost many legal cases already in courts that they've been thrown out. So I just think that like the hype train here of, well, no, it's not it's not settled yet. Well, mm-hmm. it really is. But there is a process to verify the results that we're seeing. And that's the key difference here. And so, uh,
1: I mean, I have to say this, but are we going to waste taxpayer money for four years to find out that there was no meddling?
0: Well, I I think it's important to recognize, and someone just wrote on uh, the comments, what's our opinion on all the whistleblowers coming forward, like the social worker in Texas registering over 134 senior citizens that are not coherent to vote. That stuff needs, if it is true, and there's a good chance that it is, needs to be brought out to light. And like Ben Shapiro says, so Ben Shapiro is a very conservative commentator. He acknowledges that there could be some voter fraud. The question is, is it enough to swing an election? You would need in, in like, let's, let's say the case of Pennsylvania, which is pretty tight, you would still need like 60,000 votes to be fraudulent all in one direction for you to swing that state. So there's a difference between, yes, there's voter fraud or people have done bad things. And bet- there's a difference between that and, oh, my gosh, this is a widespread, you know, deep state issue that Trump tries to make it out to be. So every election, guys, just to be clear, you can look you can look back about history. Every election has cases of voter fraud. That is wrong. That is bad. They should be punished. But the chances of the voter fraud being big enough to swing an election would be unprecedented in our time.
2: Agree to disagree.
0: I'm just kidding. Well, it's discouraging because it's discouraging seeing evangelical Christians share things that aren't true. I mean, do you guys did you, yeah. you guys remember how many false stories were shared like the Sharpie gate? That was one that I saw all over the place. I think it was in Arizona that a precinct forced people to use a Sharpie for their signature, but the machine apparently couldn't read a Sharpie, and therefore the votes were all fraudulent. That wasn't even true. The machine could read the Sharpie and the president needed them to use that for specific reasons, you know? So things get blown out of context so quickly. Um, what was the other one I saw? Oh, I saw one that was um, people like boarding up some windows, but that was because protesters were storming the doors yelling, stop the counts. And there were already yeah. the Democrat and Republican representative inside the building watching the vote. So it, it's kind of, it's discouraging to see Us kind of rushed that, oh, this looks like terrible. It must be the case. I'm going to share it. And in reality, it's not even true. It's close to true.
2: So my boss came into work and said that when he went to vote that morning, they he was in line and they passed out the ballots and then people started to realize they had given them the wrong ballots like they were for a different county or something, um, which obviously doesn't affect national stuff. But like all the local stuff was wrong. It was like the wrong districts or whatever. Yes. And then he was like, hey, and then he said when they went to at some point, the machine stopped working and it was like, please rescan all the ballots, <laughs> take them out and rescan. It was just yeah. kind of funny. It was well, like the first thing I heard on Election Day was like, <laughs> things aren't working. I mean, and that the happens, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, Nevada came out on, I think, two days after election and said, Something to the effect of like one of our precincts was all messed up, and people got duplicate um, people who moved got, got uh, two different voting ballots for different counties. But they caught it, and they had to wait till Saturday to fix it right. to re- to you know redo the results. So again, a glitch or an error, which when hundred and forty million people are voting for the first time in, in, in different in in massively different ways, because I, you know absentee ballots are always a thing, mail-in ballots always a thing, but the level the the amount is so unprecedented. That's going to have errors. That's going to have glitches. But most people who are working the polls, who are in positions of leadership, they want to see a fair election. I just think that conservative pundits and commentators like the Sean Hannity's of the world, and they like to echo whatever Trump says. So when Trump says it's a fraud or you know stop the count, it's their job just to, yeah, yeah, no, th- this is all messed up. This is crazy. The liberals are taking over. They really create this like, imaginary nebulous monster called the liberals and you just think of like these evil nefarious people who are have waited all four years just to come out and steal the vote from trump and in reality that's just not the case at least across the board are there instances of course but you can find that in the in the republican party too it, it happens sometimes that does not mean that every liberal wants the unfair election well, right
1: and i guess my my point in all of this would just be it seems like there's there's an effort on on kind of both sides where they want to be the first one to break news. They want to be the first one to get their stuff shared. They want to get all of the likes. They want to get all of the views so that their ads can get the most click. That, and what's fueling it is, I don't know if you guys have watched The Social Dilemma, but that, I mean, you can't watch that and then head into this election and not see the ramifications playing out. Where social media is built to entrap people to spend more time on social media. That's what the algorithms are built for. And so they're going to tailor their your own newsfeed to give you comments, give you videos, give you suggestions, give you news, give you articles to keep you there longer. And that's gonna look different for every person. And obviously that's that's what, Um, that's why that's what they're trying to fight with, you know, when it was coming out, there was all of the tags, this is unverified, this can't be um, looked at, you know, uh, this is unverifiable news source, and Facebook and the like are trying to overcome that, but that is still to say, it's, I blame a lot of our partisanship as of late on social media and people becoming entrained in their own echo chambers where they can't they can't see the other side because honestly they're not allowed to see the other side there's no communications that's actually happening and it's furthering their divide and so they're hearing people that sound like them that look like them that are sharing their same viewpoint and they're like it almost amps them up to say yeah this is definitely true 100% true look at all of these things that i'm seeing but in reality it's like it's like people are living in alternate realities
0: yeah absolutely um that, there's no doubt social media has um inflamed and created they really have just created this monster of, like you said, echo chambers. And now anyone can have a platform. So if people want to send misinformation, they can do that. Another good example, one of the big conspiracies I saw going around that was, sh- was shared all over was someone who, by the way, is blue checkmark verified on Twitter. So they obviously have a following and they're popular, shared that Wisconsin had more votes than registered voters. Okay, And people were freaking out, like, oh my gosh, fraud. But if you google or just look up what he's talking about he pulled that number from 2018 as of 2020 there were more registered voters than actual votes so that's another good example of just misinformation like people are taking data they're rearranging it and they're spreading it out and people aren't even i mean guys we all <laughs> google is not researching so i don't want to give you that much credibility but they're not even like double checking Uh, They're not even double checking if this is even close to true. Um, uh, Someone else sent me a picture of a Washington Times newspaper that was shared by someone who's another kind of like QAnon kind of conspiracy person that said uh, Al Gore wins the election. And it was the caption of like they were wrong in 2000. They could be wrong today. But that picture is photoshopped. You can Google and see the actual headline. said that Bush won, you know, so it's so easy to see. Or it, 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 it's, it, it can be hard to see, but it's easy to verify uh, at least a good sense of what is more fact from fiction. So that's important. But one thing I want to say before we move on, and this might be unpopular, but I, I really do believe this at this point. I make a point to listen to Ben Shapiro, Sean Hannity, Mark Levine, all those guys probably at least once or twice a week. I'll, I'll throw them on, listen for an hour or so just to kind of keep up to date. I, in my opinion, and again, I could be in, unpopular by saying this, I put a lot of the hyper partisanship blame on political talk radio. They laid the foundation in the early 90s to now by just creating this 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 base, That could never see anything good in the opposite party and only saw everything good in their party and has seriously created this idea in people's heads that Democrats are out to destroy, intentionally ruin and destroy America. And they are corrupt and godless and they want socialism here and Republicans are all good, conservative, you know, individual rights and 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 that's why we have to keep voting for them. They really have done this. In fact, I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't. If you listen to Sean Hannity's like intro when, when he opens up, there's it, it's like a whole monologue. And the one that they had for Biden, I mean, it was as fear-mongering as as it can get. Joe Biden is here to destroy America, and you have to. I mean, I'm not I'm not exaggerating, those words are being used now. When you own the radio stations, like they do, because Sean, Rush, Mark, Joe. Those guys are the top like four or five DJs in America across any platform. They have a huge influence. So it is, it, in my opinion, I would say, yes, while social media and Instagram has definitely inflated things and inflamed things, the foundation was laid the past three decades of this like super crazy, hyperpartisan talk radio that we hear of now. Yeah.
2: If you like talk radio, you should listen to Dan Carlin's Common Sense podcast um, particularly the, like the last two episodes he's posted in more recent years because he like came out of that whole like talk radio conservative talk radio Um <laughs> he escaped you no know, but he was a talk he was a conservative talk radio host in Oregon I think and uh he does a podcast now <clears throat> really awesome guy but he talks about kind of like some behind-the-scenes kind of stuff with that which is really interesting
0: yeah Um Absolutely. Um, OK, let's keep moving on here because I'm going to break I'm going to break down a few different statistics and then we're going to hop into our meat and potatoes of tonight's episode, um, all about the election and this whole idea of prophetic ministry, and the charismatic movement, which we'll get to in a minute. So some interesting facts that I found from NPR based on their data um, between 76 and 81 percent of white evangelicals supported Trump this in 2020. So really nothing has changed in the past four years. Uh, as far as statistical data goes. Now, that being said, overall in America, 42% of Americans identify as evangelical or born-again Christians, okay? So almost half of Americans at least identify this way. Whether that means what we think it means, different discussion for a different time, but for sake of our purpose, we're going to say that 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 is what it says. Out of that, the breakdown of, like, by race is non-Hispanic whites, so white Americans, 38% 38% of white Americans identify that way, 61% of black Americans identify that way, and 44 of Hispanics identify that way. So clearly the evangelical um, title, the, the Christian faith is very deep-seated still in our country. Almost half of America has some kind of identity in that tradition. So that's important to know because I was really hoping that the past four years were kind of make us really reevaluate how we support certain candidates, but it seems to, at least when it came time to vote, it it seemed not to really move the needle that much. So I thought that was pretty interesting data, frankly.
2: That wasn't that surprising to me, honestly. For me personally, even I feel like it's the same exact situation as it was four years ago. Mm. Um, Or at least I can see how it is for people. You know, you have Trump who, yeah, I mean, like as an evangelical Christian, I'm like, no, I don't like him. He's not a good person. I don't agree with, a lot of what he says but i have my reasons for not supporting the democrat candidate either so, um, and i feel like obviously there's the examples of evangelical christians who are you know all aboard the trump train and you know all about everything he does and makes excuses for anything he does wrong i get that i think there's a lot of people out there who are very close to the line But they fall on the Trump side when it comes down to actually voting between him and one other person because that other person is a Democrat and a lot of them are voting, you know, on the single issue of abortion rights. And that pushes a lot of people towards the person who is against that. And that obviously is another discussion also, whether or not that's actually doing anything. I get that. Right. But that's the viewpoint that a lot of people have. I think there's plenty of people out there that that's kind of the most important thing. So they're it's not that they're all in for Trump no matter what. It's just that, you know, of these two, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely plausible. Obviously, it seems that that's the case. Um so what I found I I will be honest guys, today I was on a YouTube rabbit hole. I've I pulled up some video <laughs> clips that we're going to share. So something I didn't realize is that I didn't realize how hyper partisan the charismatic evangelical side of Christianity is, especially the more prosperity, uh, you know, the- theologically, God will prosper you if you pray hard enough kind of idea. That side leans, I wouldn't say leans. they are have fallen over, extreme, far right, always Trump, always Republican. Um, that kind of viewpoint, I've, I pulled up some clips here. We're going to get into, I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about this idea of Christian prophecy and hearing these people who are, and I'm, I'm going to play a few videos in a minute who, who have prophesied before the election that, that, that Trump is going to get in and that God has chosen Trump. And it, it seems like the danger I'm really seeing here is that the way the, the viewpoint I got, and I watched a lot of sermons say a lot of different video clips for different people. And this sounds extreme, but I think it's true. They really view the Republican Party and the Bible as one and the same, and they view the uh, the devil and Satan and demons and the Democrat Party as one and the same. So for them, who they vote for is literally helping to decide between heaven and hell. It's either we're going to usher in God and his angels to protect and save America, or if Joe Biden gets in, it's demonic and the devil's going to take over and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you, I watched several, I mean, many sermons.
2: You have to admit. That is the idea. Democrat, demon. It's like the first four letters are the same letters. Good point. How, how are you not putting this together?
0: You know what? That's all I got tonight. We're done. How can I Every argue with that?
2: argument refuted. <laughs>
0: With grammar, oh, I, I've never even thought about that. You're so smart, Jordan. <laughs> Thank You're you. So smart. I know my letters. <laughs> so I want to pull oh, up man. a few, and I'm going to try and screen share this for the first time. I got a few clips lined up here, just about people on different prophetic shows claiming that 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 they've talked to God and God has told them what's going to happen. So let me pull up the first one here. We're going to watch it. This is on a. His name is Sid Roth. This is his show. And by the way, I should also say all these videos have. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even a couple million views on some of them. So this is not like a little a little sect of like some random no-names. These people have major followings on YouTube, on Instagram. Their websites are professionally done. They all talk to each other. So this is pretty widespread. All right, hang tight. Let me find
1: it. Let it be known that Tim now constitutes about 100,000 of those, vo- of those <laughs> views. <laughs> all right,
0: here we go. Let's see if I can pull this up. All right, can we see that? Yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Okay, that's clip number one. Let me just say right off the bat. Uh, his name that's Sid Roth and I don't have uh, the prophet he's talking to I don't have his name in front of me mm-hmm. uh, but I've seen him before on different on different things so one thing I found that that's interesting is that this kind of talk is actually fueling the conspiracy that Trump has uh, has the election stolen from him and now the courts are going to decide and figure out who the actual winner is which which will be Trump in and fact,
2: yeah, thank God that Trump was able to put. All those justices in the court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right?
2: So I found
0: um, on another person, another prophet's uh, Facebook page, a comment under something I want to share with you guys. I think that this sums up the feeling that this sect of Christianity really
2: has. I'll pull it up here.
0: Okay. Can you guys see that?
2: It says press ESCO. Oh, There it is.
0: Okay, so (laughs) the comment is, it says this, hold the line. SCOTUS is on the way. I'm excited because this battle has already been won in the spirit realm, and it's about to manifest in the physical. God wins. Our God has never lost a battle, and he is not about to lose one. God is not a man that he should lie. Lift your head up, believers, and be encouraged. Our hope is in God's word, not man's, not the media. Stand. Hashtag hold the line, which is Sean Foyt's movement, hold the line. So you can see how all this is really intertwined. They've really done a good job of weaving, okay, this person speaks for God. Therefore, if that's what God says, God never lies. Therefore, and, and also because the Republican Party is God's party, they can't lose or else God's a liar. So it all connects for them. But the problem is that if they're wrong, which it looks like they're definitely going to be, what happens then? So this is one of the biggest problems with, the, with this Word of Faith movement because they, they have convinced people that they are speaking on behalf of God to the point where people will deny reality or factual data that we have for the sake of believing that, no, 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 no. God told this person that I believe is, is really speaking for God. Therefore, it has to happen this way. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Rob? It's
1: uh, – yeah, this, is, this is a whole nother podcast.
0: I know, I know. This is just an overview. We'll get into more of this stuff later on. I'm just trying to paint the picture that I didn't really realize how deep this went. I, I didn't realize how intertwined this was. Uh, this idea of of liberal demonic, you know, um, conservative biblical. It is a major problem. And let me just let me make a, a point. Because, to, okay. Be, no. Because this
1: isn't this isn't in the let's let's call it quote unquote mainstream Christianity, where, you know live a moral life, do good, love people, that's kind of what I would call mainstream Christianity, almost like a Joel Osteen Christianity would be more mainstream, even though he's definitely on the um, the side of prosperity gospel, but he's a motivational speaker, he's popular, he says good things, um, pick your favorite large pastor of a megachurch, and they kind of have a, a same flavor of be good, do good kind of thing. And this is this is kind of, I, I would call it like the underbelly of Christianity, where it's not very well known, um, all of these um, prophetic ministries and, and yeah. things. like that's It's almost like outside of Christianity, no one really understands that there's a reformed and non-reformed, right? Once you yeah. get in Christianity, then you're like, whoa, this is really big and there's a lot of facets to this um where that, so I, I would kind of caveat all of this to say this is one of those areas where it's not mainstream you don't really know about it unless you're inside of christianity and you are aware of yeah it.
2: and it doesn't mean it's not a lot of people correct like yes. you yeah, can yeah. still Absolutely. have like it still is kind of a weird like offshoot sect almost but it, it's still a good amount of people, I'm sure.
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, have, I, I have friends who have grown up in like the Word of Faith movement. There are churches that are local. In fact, someone sent me a video from their local church that had almost the same idea of like, you know, Trump is God's anointed. And this is from a small Word of Faith church. So I didn't grow up in this movement. So I didn't. I guess I just didn't realize how, even though maybe it's more underground, it's still very prominent. I mean, for example, Kenneth, uh, yeah, Kenneth Copeland, he's one of the richest TV evangelists ever. Mm-hmm. So he obviously has people who are giving him money. And he obviously has a, um, um, he obviously has, has influence and popularity. I just didn't realize it because it's kind of hidden. I'll give you an example. In a lot of ways, they're kind of out in the open. Like Sean Foyt's is a good example of that. Sean Foyth is, is kind of part of that movement. Maybe not as far in as a Kenneth Copeland, but definitely flirts with that idea. But I don't know if you guys remember in October, there was a big church movement that impacted all kinds of churches called The Stand. And these people got together, had this big march on Capitol Hill, big worship event. It was very much a same thing. We pray against the demonic forces of socialism, and we pray for the, the godly forces of capitalism, pretty much. I and mean, that, that was a real prayer. Well, you look into who started that event. They kind of flirt with the word of faith, prosperity gospel movement. So even though they might not be as um, vocally prominent, like, oh, this is what, what, what we believe, a lot of their vocabulary and a lot of their language is very much in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't always relate it back to the source. right? So it has been very interesting to kind of, even in just one day, maybe 12 hours or so, to just YouTubing and watching clips and, and asking friends for help. It definitely is there, but I just didn't realize how political, well, how hyper-partisan it is. I mean, it's good to be political, but this is so specific. It's very interesting to, to witness, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, it's tough because there's like, that surface layer with all of that that you can watch or see things and be like oh okay it's whatever you know doesn't seem too far out there and then you're like hold on a minute well (laughs) i was going just escalated quickly well
0: i have another clip (laughs) clip i'll share with you guys so uh like okay so this is this is the same guy i just shared and he had a a comment about him well I'll, i'll let it play it's just check it out Hang on, that's the wrong one. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, what does that even mean? I didn't know there was an election cuz I was in the future. So this stuff gets <laughs> this stuff gets real wonky really fast. I mean, really fast. Let me show you one more. Uh, real quick, it's just I like saw.
1: Paul. Paul was in the third heaven. That dude was in the third. <laughs>
2: Here's one, one more. Clip. The, the the one where Trump's president. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, there's another one. God told me, God gave me this revelation. Turns out that's not true. Um, Joe Biden got a record amount of the uh, of the vote. Now, B- Trump did get a record amount for a sitting president, but Biden got the most ever for a president-elect, I think in the past like 100 years or so. Um, and liberals did not turn out for Trump. In fact, the data kind of shows it was kind of the opposite. But I say that because the vocabulary that these guys use, I'm gonna be honest, it really sounds like a form of fortune telling. <laughs> they just call it <laughs> Christianity. I mean, you're essentially watching a Miss um, a, a, a Cleo tarot card reading session, only the Bible is, is the tarot cards, and they're just speaking like, like somehow they have a secret or some kind of divine revelation from God that has to come true. And then when it doesn't, there's either an excuse or it turns out that, well, you were kind of lying the whole time, or maybe you were well-intentioned, but you just were not hearing from God. You were hearing from yourself. So this, this movement for me is very interesting to watch because how they talk is, it's really, <laughs> to me it's so foreign, but it's so confident. God spoke to me that this crazy thing will happen. And uh, it's just very interesting to watch for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: It all starts in youth group when God tells a young man, that's your woman. <laughs> and this is just, it all played out.
0: Well, I did think about that. I did think about like how much of this idea Okay. So I was kind of like thinking back to my own past 10 years or so, 15 years. And some of the stuff that I would say kind of echoes some of these ideas a little bit. Oh, I feel like God's leading me to do this or God told me this. And that's where I want to be careful because I'm not trying to say that God does not speak to people or that God can't guide and direct you. This just seems to be such an extreme twisted version of that, that it can make the whole thing look bad. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater even though I'm showing you guys some pretty extreme clips here.
2: Yeah. It is tough. I feel like it gives the whole idea of prophecy a bad name.
0: (laughs) Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Um, Let's see. I had a few other things I wanted to go over with you guys. So let's see see here. here. Oh, so one more thing that I've noticed that I think is important to recognize, I was watching, again, these videos, and a lot of these people are really they, – they specifically call out boomers, and they call they say, Boomers, we need you to vote. So I think that they realize that they're kind of losing the millennial generation. In fact, I heard a pastor give a um, – a, uh, it's a non-denominational church. He gave a sermon that pretty much said – Vote, vote for biblical values, i.e. conservative values. And he made a point to say, like, you know, millennials are just so misled. Gen Zs are so misled. They just don't know. But in my head, I'm like, well, millennials are in like their mid-30s now. <laughs> like, a lot of us are educated. We've been around for a little bit. So I almost felt like demeaned. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to, I'm, I'm listening to this guy and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear what you have to say if your first thing to me is, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just misled. So it is interesting to see, I think, really come to light this idea of God equals you know, conservative. I want to be clear, though, I don't think we need to push in the opposite direction either. I'm not saying that, oh, to be a Christian is to be liberal. Yeah. I, I think what a lot of people in our situation, this like evangelical um, remnant, so to speak, who are kind of politically and even spiritually homeless, homeless to a degree— we just want a seat at the table right so the idea is there have got to be ways to approach these issues that maybe aren't the most popular but really might be really good to think through and they should have a valid spot of pondering considering instead of being thrown out as liberal or socialist or whatever else it could be i think that's what a lot of people are trying to advocate for however i think what is happening is because we're seeing such an extreme hyperpartisanship uh, partisan, partisan, partisanship. Is that you, right? You okay. Partisanship. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try it again. Because we're seeing such an extreme partisanship. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> Hold on one uh-huh. more time. I had a whole cup of coffee here. It's a big mug. Um, <laughs> because we're seeing such an extreme right wing rhetoric, I'll say, <laughs> of this allegiance of God and conservatism. I think it's important that people don't jump to the opposite. I think a lot of them are. So I think what's happening is that people are saying, well, if I'm so far from that, I must be all this. And that's not to say that there are really valid things that we need to consider that Democrats and liberals have and are saying that I think can be really valuable as Christians that we partner with. But that does not mean that we have allegiance to the opposite political party either. It simply means that we're able to say, well, our allegiance lies to the kingdom. It's really a Jesus allegiance. And some of these things really overlap in the political world. It's important that we really partner with both sides and also call out the junk on both sides. And I think what's happened is a lot of millennials, Gen Zs are so fed up watching people like these prophets and the charismatic and conservative evangelical movement consistently defend, even in in, in the face of, complete immorality defend someone based on maybe one or two policies which are either maybe not even that strong or really when you look at it aren't all that important
2: but you know what pushes that I feel like is when it comes to this time of year every four years and there's this major election that is really the only election that we ever care about is the presidential election which that's a whole other problem that doesn't even affect our lives to the extent that we feel like it does.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We are forced into this, you have to choose this side or you have to choose this side. There's no other options for us, you know, who do you identify with and who are you? And that's what's frustrating for me politically speaking is, you know, somebody asked about third party candidates earlier in the comments and I think that's great. I would love to see a bunch more parties that represent Um, the things that people actually believe more so, so that it's not just us being forced into, you know, this whole litany of issues on one side and the opposite ones on the other side. Um, because I don't think that represents real people a lot of the time. Um, Hmm. and then what you're saying is like Christians feeling like all of our values have to align with one side or the other isn't good either because you know first of all as a christian my whole life isn't about politics Mm. um so i shouldn't be identifying so much with that but like i said when it comes to this time and this thing that we have to do and vote for the president you're kind of it's kind of forced on you
0: yeah it absolutely seems like uh, if there's one thing that the RNC and DNC agree on, it's no need for any other options <laughs> besides us oh, or yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. it is interesting to recognize that two nonprofit organizations really hold our politics hostage when you really think about it, mm. because the RNC and DNC are not are not government agencies; they're really nonprofit yeah. organizations. That being said, you know, whenever you go to the ballot, you will see like seven or even eight options you just know nothing about them because right. between the airtime and the and the money involved and the campaign money involved they don't have enough of a reach to really get their ideas out there even though they might have some 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 ideas that are really good and and even uh, leadership wise really solid leaders who could lead the country in a great direction for all of us not just for one group
2: yeah and then there's the whole pressure like i think it's a peer pressure thing when it's like oh if you vote for third party you're voting for other side which doesn't really make sense but or you're throwing your vote away Yeah, you're wasting your vote which i mean is makes sense because in a way it's true (laughs) um because the way things are right now in reality that person's never going to get enough like you said they're never going to have a chance Mm -hmm. um and that's part of the problem but i've we're so far from that i think from that being yeah I mean, uh, i'll
0: I'll be transparent fixed. with I'll be transparent with our listeners. So i I have voted all Republican my entire life. Last election, I voted a third party for the first time, and this election, I voted for Biden, which is a Democrat for the first time ever in my life. I'm gonna stop
1: streaming now. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: we're gonna issue an apology and,
1: video. Soon. And yeah.
0: one of yeah. the reasons I voted for <laughs> Biden was because, in my mind, whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But this is how I kind of decided. I thought to myself, well. I think that America could survive four years, if he gets that far, of Biden. I don't know if as a country we can survive four more years of Trump. And what I mean by that is I've recognized early on, and Trump has admitted this, that Trump is not here to heal or to unify. He's really here to do what he was, in his mind, elected to do, which is to push the conservative movement further and further and further down the line and really lambast, I mean, really be a... a, a um, a conservative talk show radio president and just lambast the liberals as socialist evil people who are trying to ruin his life. Now, there are obviously examples of certain things that happened that we know were kind of bogus, impeachment trials, stuff like that. I understand that. But I mean, Trump really came in hot. I mean, from day one, he, even before he was elected, it was very clear what he was here to do. And then when all the racial tension kind of boiled over, the coronavirus happened. I'm watching Trump and I'm realizing he's not really doing much to unify people. He's only making things worse. And while I'm not saying Biden is going to wave some magic wand and be some immediate healer and fix all our problems, his person... Didn't you hear
2: the pandemic is over?
0: <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. Um, I do think that Biden's personality is not nearly sure. as as um, narcissistic and not and uh, heavy-handed in a one-way direction as far as his rhetoric, at least, you know, mm-hmm. how he legislates might be different, but his rhetoric isn't so much, oh, liberals suck, conserv- conservatives are great, but it's more of I want to heal the country. Whether that, that will happen remains to be seen, but I appreciate that sentiment more than I'm on Twitter typing in all caps so I won the election and this election is fraud and there's no proof of it, but it's it's rigged. Right. That is what I was voting really more against than, than voting for Biden. This is a total side question,
1: but Tim, did you um, did you watch uh, M- Governor Murphy's press conference today? Not
0: today. I did not.
1: So it was it was about COVID, but um, it was like an hour and a half. I watched like the first 15 minutes of it because I just wanted to see what their update was. But he started it out and he was like, you know, I have my First Amendment right, so I'm going to – congratulate president elect Biden. And then he's like, he goes into this whole five minute monologue about how he's so excited to work with president elect Biden and with Cory Booker and with all of these people that he lists that are all Democrats. And he's so excited to work with them to make the country a better place. And it's like, did you say that same thing about Trump? And I understand Trump is a much different personality, but I think that's part of the problem why aren't our politicians saying the same thing and trying to work together instead of like, Oh, now we have people on our side that now we can work together. It's like, no, we're electing you to work together. That is in fact your job. It doesn't matter if the person across the aisle has an R or a D after or before their name, you should be working together. And that's one of, one of, again, one of our things that we're going to, we're always going to harp on. That's kind of, is this, this partisanship.
2: That's one of the scarier things I feel like that I've seen in the last few days is that kind of sentiment of, Oh, finally, now that the people that hate, you know, uh, immigrants or hate, you know, whoever are finally gone and we can work together to heal the nation. And then all this stuff coming out about like, well, let's make these lists of the people who supported Trump and the people who voted for Trump and obviously that's a real scary road to go down a hundred percent yeah but but that's kind of like the whole thing is that was my point earlier is there's a lot of people i believe that voted for trump that did so completely lovingly and in a genuine way because you know of one thing that they agreed with him more on or agreed with his claimed policies more on than biden's it's not because they're all racists or they're all, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. so the let,
0: labels are. let's talk about that for a minute. And by the way, guys, if you have any questions, throw them in the comments and thanks so much for watching and tuning in. Um, I think this is a really important dialogue because we really aim to speak to Christians as much as we can because we understand that culture has, in a lot of ways, different values and different focuses. One thing I have seen that does concern me, I'll, I'll agree with you, Jordan, is there seems to be this mentality of, If you voted for Trump, you automatically are part of the KKK. You hate black people. You hate ABC and D and E, and you just want to ruin America. I wish I could say it's that black and white, but we do not live in a black and white world. If if we're going to preach that things are nuanced and complicated, we have to be honest about that. I do know people, friends of mine, who in their personal life are the most hospitable loving people who have given their life to serving the least of these, to serving poor communities, to working towards racial equality. I mean, people who have given their life to do that, who also have voted for Trump. Now, in my mind, how they can do that, it is baffling, okay? But that does not mean that in my my head, they're labeled as they're off my friend list, we can't talk. One of the things that, that, um, that we see in scripture is that God has created humanity to flourish by working together in partnership with God. Division um, over things that really can be worked around and can be talked about is really not a biblical idea in a lot of ways. Now, of course, there are lines we have to draw. I don't want someone who is part of the KKK in my house supporting why the races should be separate. We obviously have to have wisdom, right? But by and large, most of our friends want to do right. And I, I think we get so much further. We change minds, not by yelling at people, not by streaming at them, not by calling them names, but by talking, by engaging, by having in-person conversations. One of the things that we've talked about in this podcast a lot is one of our big problems with the with the um, evangelical movement as far as how they witness is that they've really just been a loud clanging symbol, yelling about how the gays are terrible, how the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And all they're doing is screaming and people are not are not interested in that message. So we know this is true. So because of that, take that logic and apply it to your friend that maybe you really disagree with strongly politically. You're not going to get anywhere with that friend by being a loud clanging symbol, screaming at them and calling them names and taking what we the rhetoric that we see uh, in social media and by political pundits and applying it to them. You make progress by having conversations, by listening, by understanding where they come from and then sharing where you come from and then working together for a common good. We need more of that and the reason why, I don't wanna say I'm excited, but I am more hopeful of this maybe happening more often Biden, from all, I can, all I've seen and heard, is not very extreme far-left progressive. Now, maybe there are people in his base who are that way, but Biden's kind of run-of-the-mill Democrat. I mean, he's like 85,000 years old. He's pretty, he's pretty moderate as far as Democrats go, and I, I thought that his speech about unity was important. So I'm hoping that he lives up to that by reaching across the aisle, by inviting his colleagues in to have real conversation, and then we can follow that example. That, that's really my hope.
1: It's it's interesting, too, um, and I think we've talked about this off-air, on-air, but the Christian ethic when it comes to politics is really split across party lines, and depending on your personality actually, I think, determines which way you vote. So if you're kind of the more empathetic type person, you're relationally uh, motivated, and you have a sensitivity to others and their needs, it's almost like if you have the gift of helps and mercy, I I would say more oftentimes than not, you're going to side with the Democrats, because at least their party front puts up, we're about social issues, we're about loving people, we're about giving fair equality, and and, you know, all of those things, which we would Look at and say, yeah, those are kind of Christian ethic points to to love your neighbor, to support and have respect, and all of those things. And then on the flip side, you get like the Republican side that splits off the Christian ethic of, okay, we we practice the sanctity of life, which always means abortion. We we practice um, that everyone should have a fair and equal chance um, of, of succeeding and if you should be um, judged based on your merits and based on your attitude and based on your work ethic and, and kind of all of those things, which also fall into a Christian ethic. So when, when you put like the two parties together, you almost have a good, a good sense of what a Christian is, but it, it's split across party lines. And we've talked about this, you know, when, when we had, um, Why can't I remember the the guy that we went into Philly to have on the podcast? Oh, Shane
0: Claiborne.
1: I kept thinking Sean. I was like, why? Why can I not think of his name? Shane Claiborne. When we talked about uh, the death penalty and abortion, we talked about the the points of life that he's he's pro-life womb to tomb. And that that Christian ethic is split across party lines, Yes, where one is pro-death penalty, we need to make sure people that are caught and criminals are punished justly, but then you have the other side that want to save the babies, and so again, the Christian ethic is split across party lines, and why we then feel the need that I'm on the right side of the Christian ethic, you're on the wrong side of the Christian ethic, and we need to fight.
0: I will just...
2: Give a quick caveat that supporting the death penalty doesn't necessarily mean that you're not pro life in that right. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not saying this is my position. I'm just, I've heard arguments that are surprisingly compelling that the death penalty actually supports the sanctity of life because it's using the penalty to say that the life that was taken by this criminal was important. And this has to be the penalty to make it that important.
1: For sure. And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that was or wasn't a biblical view. You know, God actually instituted the death penalty. If we want to get into the Old Testament law that he said, <laughs> if you break these things, then your life is to be paid. So 100 percent, Jordan.
0: <laughs> well, I think, Jordan, that proves the point, though, that not there, that there are different arguments on these issues that should be heard. And I think that's what I'm really pushing against is that, and I think honestly, there are a lot of friends of mine who are either in ministry or who are volunteers at churches who feel this way where they think it's not that I don't believe my faith or that I don't, I'm not committed to Jesus. It's Mm. that this dogma I've been taught of, this is the only right way to view this issue is not enough for me anymore. And I think we have to be honest about that because the, the realistic, the, the reality is is that there are many people who are brilliant, whether they're scholars like Tim Mackey, boom, there he is in our <laughs> conversation, uh, or um, you know, uh, Preston Sprinkle who has the the um, the organization, the uh, Center for Faith and Sexual Ethics, which is an amazing um, center, and his podcast, Theology in the Raw, is amazing. But you have these people who are brilliant who who give compelling arguments and might not even agree with each other but being able to sit and let your mind soak in the arguments is good it's good for you it practices this idea of progression one thing i wanted to add and then we'll get ready to close here is that here's the bottom line everyone here's like kind of my final thought one of the problems i think that we have in our faith is that we we have this belief that It was all done in the past and that there's nothing new happening we haven't figured out we have our theology figured out we argue about some stuff in house but these are the main things that we can never progress or move on to a degree that's true right we're all going to affirm as jesus followers the death and resurrection of jesus we're going to affirm that the bible is god inspired and given to us as something to learn more about how god functions in the story of what he's doing however There are good arguments that might not agree with your worldview from a Christian perspective that you owe it to yourself to learn. The Bible is all about progression. Okay, If you look from the beginning to the end, the way that God deals with people is different throughout the millennia. The way he works with Abraham in the covenant is different than the law he gives to Moses. It's different than the person of Jesus. It's different than how the Holy Spirit comes at at the day of Pentecost. God is working Differently throughout cultures, and that's important to recognize. So that's not that God is not is changing. It's that He meets humanity where they're at. He's gracious and good. Obviously, there's a consistent pattern we can see. That's important. But the idea is that God is progressing humans and humanity to partner with Him. Do not read progression as a liberal <laughs> politic ethic. Okay, I mean that you in saw the, the sense comment. of just pop it. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, I yeah. mean that in the sense of. <laughs> moving forward okay life moves forward your life moves forward that's just how reality works you do not want to stay stagnant in your faith that once you do that in my opinion you're mentally dead because you think you know the answers and you're not open to hearing better arguments the heart of the reformation is always pursuing and reforming to know the bible better and better so we owe it to ourselves to do that as much as possible So that's kind of my challenge to us. I think as Christians, we need to really tell ourselves that we cannot be sold out to um, a political party for allegiance sake, because honestly, guys, the Jesus ethic is going to cross over into both sides. Tim Keller says it really well. The Bible has four big themes. It speaks against racism, oppression of the poor, oppressed minority, um, sanctity of life and a sexual ethic. That is split down the middle right now in our political world. When you think about it, you can find two of those on a more Democrat leaning side and two of those on the more conservative Republican side. That that being said, it's important for us to weigh and, and wrestle with the nuance of these arguments and also to stand against injustice. The Bible is full of it. So that's kind of my charge to us. I'm really advocating for a new kind of movement where we recognize that yes, we need to be political. The Bible is political in a lot of ways. We overture ourselves to be involved in the political process, but we cannot sell our souls for the sake of political allegiance because our allegiance is to King Jesus, not to the country, not to the flag, not to Democrats, not to Republicans, not to Trump, not to Biden. It is to King Jesus. And through that, we want to partner with politicians to see humanity flourish.
2: And voting for Trump is selling your soul. The end.
0: Amen. <laughs> Oh, Oh, man, but that's exactly right. Guys, any closing thoughts?
1: Hmm.
2: Go, Rob, go.
1: I didn't vote for Biden.
2: I didn't vote at all. Me neither. (laughs) But we can talk about that at a different podcast if you want. (laughs) It
1: looks like Tim telling us to get involved in the political process. (laughs) Oops. Sorry, Tim.
2: (laughs) I think my closing thought is this that I think and, and we kind of talked about this earlier a little bit is I'm getting to the point and I mentioned just being frustrated with politics in general and then I just admitted to everyone that I didn't vote. Um but I think <laughs> that the positive thing that we can take from that, you know, maybe cynical viewpoint a little bit, is that a lot of our problems and a lot of the things we believe in and want to see changed or or whatever will be most effectively addressed outside of the political realm and i think that's really where i'm at in my thinking about this stuff right now um you know i've always been a big believer in the church stepping up and you know doing the things that they are calling for politicians to take care of um, because that's really where it's going to make a difference and make a change you know being pro-life is great but as you know we've seen in a lot there's been a lot of good evidence and examples for that voting republican does not necessarily change the actual numbers (laughs) Um, and if you get right down to it that's what you're talking about right that we want to see that happen less Um, and what really does help change the numbers are things like people going and actually providing care for mothers single mothers and you know doing stuff on a really small local level um yeah but we don't think about that because it's not on social media and it's not as yeah. flashy and um but that's really where things change
0: that's great that's great stuff jordan and we're definitely going to be as we go along the next few episodes hitting, hitting hitting more of those topics we have some guests coming up who i think will speak into that which i'm really excited about one guest in particular i am pumped. Pumped to have on. So, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, uh, we do have some news. We officially have an Instagram. It is at CTJ Podcast. So please give us a follow. We do our best to have content up there pretty consistently, and we're also going to do our best to have this episode out by Wednesday. Fingers crossed, assuming that we have time to get it up because we have to do some work to edit it down and get it up on uh, on our iTunes page. So thanks again for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you all next time. Any comments? Let us know. And we'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.